Um, Acts chapter 6, we're going to be reading from the, well, the last part, finishing Acts chapter 6 this morning, um, which runs through, it starts from verse 8 through to uh, the end of chapter 7, starts one uh, important section here, but we're going to look through that together as we do. So when we began Acts chapter 6 last week and we looked at the first part, uh, we saw that there was a, a problem that had grown in the church in regards to the, the, the ministry to the widows, particularly the Hellenist widows, which is the, those Jews born outside of, of Israel. And as that, um, that problem grew, it became a point of contention among them. But God used that problem for good. And instead of it being uh, the destructive problem that it could have been, through the, the grace and the humility of the leadership and the church, they were able to work through that by God's goodness, and the church grew stronger. Its influence grew wider. They chose seven men to, to deal with that, and it soon becomes very apparent why they chose those seven men. Out of all of the thousands of, of men they could have chosen, um, we find, particularly with two of these men, why these were the ones chosen to do it. So the next few chapters we look at, chapter 6 and chapter 7, are going to tell us a little bit more about Stephen, the first one listed in uh, that group of men chosen to minister to the, the widows. The next one we're going to look at is the next one on that list, which is Philip, and he comes in chapter 8, and we see some of the ministry of Philip, so Stephen and, and Philip. And as we look at these two men, we see they are, in fact, what the church needed, and there was this great reason why they were cho- chosen. The impact of these two men, particularly that are brought to our attention, Stephen and Philip, is not because these two men are remarkable in themselves. What gives these two men their great impact is they believe in the remarkable God. That's what changes, that's what makes the, these moments, these uh, events of Stephen and Philip so great, so powerful, and so important. God is able to use the short life of a man named Stephen, which we're going to start this morning, and use it for eternal good. Most of us are probably familiar with how the story of Stephen ends. He is famous for being the first Christian Martyr. So we know how it ends, uh, and his life is cut short by this act of, of terrible cruelty. <clears throat> now, the growing pains that we see at the beginning of chapter 7, uh, like we talked about last week, they're actually good signs that there is this tension, that there is this uh, um, growing pains that come. They're a good sign because God's purpose for the church was never just for Jerusalem. He didn't intend for the church to be uh, a Jerusalem-centric thing, but to explode through the rest of the world. And so we, we begin to ask if that's what he had intended, and we see in Jerusalem how the church is just growing and growing and growing there in Jerusalem, and then we know how the end of Acts goes because we come to Paul and, and see it spread through the world. How do we get from the apostles and Jerusalem to Paul and the world? How does the gospel transfer from from that little place to to this massive world we have? 
Stephen. Stephen is the catapult that will send the gospel around the world. This moment here, um, these events of Stephen take a large portion of Acts. In fact, they, besides Paul, who, who covers last, but no one event takes as much space in the book of Acts as the account of Stephen here. He is, and this moment is, extremely important in our Christian history. It's important, yes, because uh, it is that catalyst to spread the gospel to the world. It's important also, yes, because from here we see the great testimony to Saul, and Saul who will become the great apostle Paul. But also it's important on a much more personal level. It is hugely important on a more personal level because Stephen shows us a real example of what it is to live a life for Christ, including suffering. What it really genuinely is to live for Jesus Christ. We're going to look at four characteristics used to describe him, and that will will form our thoughts this morning. But let's read our text, uh, Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. We'll read through the end of the chapter. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses excuse me, and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we pray, dear God, the Spirit would enliven it for us. We would see its, its truth, its reality, be challenged and grow to be more like you in our life for Christ. Thank you and praise you in the name of our Savior. Amen. So we're going to look at four characteristics which are told to us of Stephen here as we see him before this, this gathering, this trial, and these accusations. Um, some of them we find just previously. So in verse 3 of Acts chapter 6, when it's speaking of the men that they chose, uh, including Stephen, it says that he is full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That is clearly a description of one of the things that, that characterizes Stephen. In verse 5, it gives us a more particular description of Stephen, applying these things directly to him. It says in verse 5, And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Then as we come down to the text we just read, it begins with these words in Stephen, full of faith or grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. 
It's said of, C- of Stephen and every one of these descriptions of him that he is full of faith, that he is full of the Holy Spirit, that he is full of grace and full of power. It's, you know, not an amazing thing to look here and see. We are, in every case, it says that he is full of. That simple phrase, full of, we understand, means that he is totally controlled by. These are the things which characterize him by nature. It is who he is. It is how he lives. So when it talks about these things of, of Stephen, that he is full of, of faith, that he's full of the Holy Spirit, that he's full of grace and power. These are not just descriptions of his ministry. So this isn't just that Stephen is full of faith when he speaks the word of God or preaches, or that he is full of the Holy Spirit when he, he uh, proclaims the truth or ministers. When it says that he is full of these attributes, it means that they are his way of life. It is who he is. It is how he lived every day. It is how he pursued to live in and out of each and every day. This is what made him a good leader. This is why he was chosen. So they didn't choose him as one of the first deacons. And then he became full of faith, Holy Spirit and wisdom and grace. No, he was those things. That's why they chose him. It's why he made a good preacher. It's why he made a good helper. It's why he was a good person. As we learn to apply these truths in our lives, it will greatly influence every detail of our life. Things that we see of Stephen here as he stands before the end will help us know how to live our days right up until the end. There is a a fill-in in your notes if you're following and it, it is this. It will define pretty much how we're looking at it this morning. It says in Stephen, we see his unshakable faith. That is the work of God in him and the unmistakable grace at work through him. So as we look at these characteristics that describe Stephen, we see these two things. There is the work of God in him and the work of God through him. An unmistakable, unshakable faith and an unmistakable grace. So let's look at this first thought, the unshakable faith. He is described as a man who is full of faith. Full of faith. He is an example to have faith in God. Stephen was a man who is, is a man of deep, deep faith. And we'll, next week, as we get into chapter 7 and his great sermon, we will be able to see more of his beliefs and what he saw. So we'll examine more of his beliefs and his understanding next week through chapter 7. But he is a man of deep faith in God. And from the dispute that arises here between him and the, the Jews and then ultimately the council there, we, we know that he believed Jesus fully. He was a man who didn't just take bits and pieces of Jesus and like this bit and that bit, but he actually saw Jesus, he heard Jesus, he understood what Jesus said, and he began to believe it so fully that he could see, perhaps even more clearly than the apostles, what this gospel meant for the world. And could understand that and saw just the beauty of what the gospel was. He believed what Jesus said. He believed what Jesus did. You know, in verse 14, one of the accusations they bring against him, and although Luke describes 
describes these as false accusations. Um, they are probably false in the sense that they are twisted and used out of context to present uh, a case against him. But one of the things that's brought against him is, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. You'll compare that to what we remember Jesus said while he stood in the temple at one point. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Seems Stephen, Stephen remembered these words, studied these words, heard these words and, and believed they were true. And while, while the people thought they were speaking of the temple and that's what got them irritated, Jesus and Stephen knew that it wasn't about the temple The building, it was bigger than that. This was about Jesus. Stephen was preaching the gospel of Jesus as living, resurrected, and reigning Messiah. Like Stephen, true faith finds its beginning in believing Jesus, the sinless son of God who died on the cross to pay a debt that we owe. And then rose from the dead to give life eternal. This message, this gospel, this salvation had found its way so deeply into Stephen's heart. Had changed him so profoundly that it affected every part of his life. Every way that he lived. He preached the gospel that Jesus preached. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life he believed the words that paul would say later in second corinthians for he that is god the father made him the son who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him that faith changed his life And shaped everything after that. The moment he believed Jesus Christ as Savior, his whole life was entirely changed. Part of the tension that comes between Stephen and those that that are accusing him here is that he preached that Jesus changes everything. He rescues us from condemnation, but, but not just rescues us from condemnation, but then changes and renews our life. Makes it something new, better, more glorious. He is the fulfillment of everything that came before. That's why they have a problem with him talking about the law. Because he believed that Jesus made everything better. Fulfilled what should be. The end of verse 14. said One of the charges they bring against him is that. And change the customs which Moses delivered to us. See he's, he's preaching and proclaiming that. What, we, what they had in the temple and, and the sacrifices and all that, they were great, but they're not Jesus. Jesus is what we genuinely need. It's said that we're told here in verse, uh, verse 9 that he was preaching in the synagogue of the freedmen. It might represent here, when it speaks of that, it might represent that, he's, uh, that two synagogues have, have come together here. Um, Basically, because the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians are from the north of Africa. And the, uh, the Cilicians and Asia, well, they're Asia Minor and around there. Some suggest that Paul may have even been in this group there because Paul was from Cilicia. 
Tarsus, where he was from, is the main city of Cilicia. Whether he was here or not isn't, at this point, isn't the case. He certainly makes his presence known later. But these are synagogues of Hellenists. These are the people that um, Stephen had been uh, ordained to minister to in the church, the Hellenists, that is, the Jews who had been born outside of Israel and made their way back. So this is a, a synagogue of those Hellenists. In regards to being the synagogue of the freedmen, this is a synagogue which was made up of people who used to be slaves. That's why it's called freedmen. They used to be slaves, but their owners had been uh, had released them to their freedom. And so that defined who they were. They were once slaves, but now they are free. And they have gathered together, and they're in these synagogues together to worship and to, uh, to pursue the God that they see through the law in the Old Testament. Stephen believed that these people who had been freed from slavery could be freed from the bondage of the law by Jesus Christ. He is there preaching to slaves who've been freed, hoping and praying that they would see that Jesus would make them truly free. Fundamental to everything we know about Stephen is that he believed God. He was full of faith. Jesus saves, Jesus changes, Jesus sets free, and Jesus gives life. Bound up in that that statement that he is full of faith is not just a statement that he believed deeply, but bound up in that word of being full of faith is that he was faithful to God. Be faithful to God. Faith causes us to act on what we believe. I think that's in the, the notes there if you want to fill that in as well. Faith causes us to act on what we believe. So faith is not just a set of beliefs. It is then to express that set of beliefs, to live those beliefs. You know, as I study and read through this, some of the commentators are a little confused and they wonder, why is Stephen seen here preaching? Because he wasn't ordained to preach at the beginning of chapter 6. He was simply ordained to serve the people of God. To me, it makes perfect sense that we would see Stephen preaching. It's what you'd expect from someone like Stephen. Someone who knew the compassion of God. Who knew the, the love of Jesus Christ. Who knew what it was like to be changed. Stephen's ministry, from what we see at the beginning of chapter 6 and the end, is among the Hellenists. This is a group that he, he relates to better than the apostles. The apostles are Jews through and through. He is himself a Hellenist. He uses his life to reach those for Christ that others may not be as well equipped to reach. He's reaching out to a people of his own. How are you suited to reach people for Christ in a way that others are not? Stephen was able to have a ministry among the Hellenists that the apostles could not. Paul would be able to have a ministry to the Romans and the world that the apostles and others could not. How are you suited to reach people for Christ in a way that others 
are not. Perhaps it's the language you have or the skills that you you have and have developed. Maybe it's the influence you have in your society or workplace or wherever it is, or maybe it's simply just at your workplace. Stephen's faith moved him to be faithful. He served the people of God and he testified of Christ to the unsaved. He studied to to grow in his faith, which helped him grow in his faithfulness. There are three areas, uh, I think, that we can see in Stephen's life and throughout Scripture, but in Stephen's life, three areas of practical power of faith, what faith does for us practically. When faith in God gives you strength, and by strength I mean resolve, conviction, a, a strength of what you believe. Faith in God gives you courage, This is the ability to do what scares you, to go out and to be able to to serve, even though it is daunting. Faith in God gives you strength. Faith in God gives you courage. Faith in God gives you stability. Paul ends 1 Corinthians 15 with this. He says, therefore, that is, with, with all that you believe, because of what you believe, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Stephen is a man who is full of faith. This is part of his unshakable faith. He is also a man who is full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. In looking at the life being full of the Spirit, I want to look at three things, three understandings of what it is to be full of the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit, firstly, requires this. It requires us to be repenting. To be repenting. Remember when I said at the beginning, and each of these things he's described as being full of. That is, he is under the control of. It is who he is, the total control. Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul writes to us about what it is to be full of the Spirit and says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Or literally, be keep being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit permanently indwells every believer, but the filling of the Spirit has to do with submission and obedience. To be full of the Spirit is to make it our habit to obey the Spirit. That's what it means to be full of the Spirit. Make it our habit to obey the Spirit. It means, firstly, not hindering the Spirit with our sin. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. To be full of the Spirit, we need to be repenting. Secondly, we need to be asking. How do we obey the Spirit? Say, well, it's about submitting and obeying the Spirit. How do we do that? Romans 8, chapter 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the of the spirit set your mind fill your mind with the things of god 
In Colossians, Paul says it this way. It says, seek those things which are above. Put your mind on the things that are godly and right. Fill your mind with God's word. Pastor John Piper illustrates Ephesians 5.18 like this. He asks a question. At the beginning it says, do not be drunk with wine. He says, how do you get drunk? You drink to excess. You keep drinking and you keep drinking and you keep drinking. And the more you drink, then you become drunk. The illustration is there. It says, don't just keep drinking and drinking and drinking wine in excess to be drunk. Rather, be drinking in the spirit until you are completely influenced by the spirit. Keep drinking the spirit. Take in his truth. Luke 11, Jesus says you know, that God gives good gifts. How much more does God, if, if the, uh, an evil person knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does God give good gifts to those who ask of him? And he says, ask of him the spirit. Ask for the fullness of the spirit. In our times of prayer, when we come to God's word and we, we read God's word, dear God, fill me with your spirit today to not just see your truth, but to be enabled to live your truth. To understand what that truth means for me today. To follow and to obey your word. Be repenting, be asking. Thirdly, be walking. The filling of the Spirit is no magic potion. It's a way of life. And when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, it's not a thing where we say, God, fill me with the Spirit. And then there's this, this magical thing which happens, and all of a sudden we have the ability to, to be godly. It's not a magic potion like that. It's a way of life. It's a life of obedience. Set your mind on the things of God and seek the power of the Spirit to live it out. Paul says in Galatians, I say then, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Stephen was a man of unshakable faith because he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That unshakable faith showed itself in a life of unmistakable grace. You could see it. You could see it in his life. Verse 8 also tells us that he is full of grace. Know the grace of God. You know, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, we're told that there was great grace upon the church. Grace doesn't just manifest itself to the church, but it manifests itself in the lives of individuals. We know the grace of God in setting us free. That God's, God's grace saves us. It is his great gift. For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That is, we know his favor, not his judgment. Stephen was a man who humbly recognized the goodness of God in his life every day. He saw the bounty and the blessings of God each and every day. This is what made him a compassionate man. It's what made him a godly man. Each and every day is a gift of God. 
Know the grace of God. Show the grace of God. People who know the grace of God will show it. When we understand the grace of God, when we understand what God has done in life, and we recognize and we see God's great and glorious bounty of blessings on us each and every day, we will show the grace of God around us. Stephen was an example of graciousness. We see it in his compassion, in serving the church and the widows. We see it in his response to the accusers. He doesn't bite back and he doesn't get get angry. And even at the end, when we see him in his death, we don't see an angry and bitter man, but a man of grace. There is a striking, striking resemblance between the events here with Stephen and the trial and death of Jesus Christ. They are very similar in the way Stephen stands before his accusers, falsely accused. We have the same sorts of things, that the, the people falsely accusing him and, and people being stirred up against him and false witnesses before a trial again. And Stephen stands before them uh, innocent and, and compassionate and gracious. He shows us even in these events what it is to live the life of Christ. And rather than being angry or bitter, he seeks the good of those that accuse him. He seeks their salvation. Ultimately, their hatred is going to kill him. And in that moment, he will forgive them. The fullness of faith and the fullness of the Spirit makes us gracious people. Fourthly, this is the last of our our descriptions of him. He is full of faith. He is full of the Holy Spirit. He is full of grace. And fourthly, he is full of power. And as he received help from God. Help from God. Verse 8 tells us that he did many mighty works. God worked mightily through Stephen. Now, signs and wonders didn't come to everyone who was full of the Spirit. The power of God comes to everyone who is full of the Spirit. Not all in the same ways. There is more to God's power than cool tricks. The fullness of faith and the fullness of the Spirit can transform your marriage. It can transform your your family. It can, can transform your pain and your hurt and your confusion. The power of God through the fullness of the Spirit can change every part of those things. And that is the unique and glorious power of God. God's mighty power works in every part of our life. The power of the Spirit in our life is to make us more like Christ in every area of our life. You know, I believe that the power of God transforming your life is perhaps a greater sign and wonder than healing the sick. Imagine the testimony of salvation that people see when they see what God is doing actually in your life and in your family. That has a far greater impact on the world than if you can heal somebody or speak some weird way to see that God can actually change your life and they can see it. Stephen shows us that Jesus was not lying. In Luke 24, in verse 
49. Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We began in Acts chapter 1, and Jesus reminds us again, you shall receive power. Stephen shows us this is real, this is true, this is not just words. It's not just for a select few, that that if we, we follow God, if we are full of faith and full of the Spirit, there is a fullness of power that comes to our lives. The power of God is real. And with the power of God comes the wisdom of God. He is said also to be a man full of wisdom. Stephen shows another of Jesus' promises fulfilled, that he is full of wisdom. In Luke 21 and verse 15, Jesus gave these words of promise, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. What do we see happening with Stephen? Stephen stands in the, the, the synagogue there, and maybe it's an organized debate between them, and maybe it's just him preaching, but as, as they stand there and as they talk and as they share, no one, no one can beat him. For every accusation they have, he has an answer. For every question they have, he has an answer. For every difference they have, he has an answer. God promises wisdom. All the study that Stephen did, all the seeking of God and his will is now put to use by the Spirit. Wisdom is there for the taking. God's will is freely give us wisdom. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. As he takes all the study and all the the pursuit of him that you have done in your life. And he makes it alive. He makes it relevant. He brings it to the fore to be used for the glory of God. Pastor John MacArthur comments on this passage with these words. He says, a man full of faith toward God and yielded to the Spirit's control will be gracious toward others and manifest great spiritual power. Our text here, where we finish, is remarkable. Verse 15 says, And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, that they gazed on him, they stared at him intently, saw his face as the face of an angel. Some suggest that what it describes is, is simply that on his face was a look of peace and confidence and compassion. And they could see that in his face, possibly. It seems best to me to understand it as a genuine shining of God's presence in his life, like Moses, in the presence of God. But no matter what it looked like, whether it was the, the, the look of a shining of God's presence in his life or whether it was the, the look of confidence and peace and compassion on his face that was remarkable. No matter what it looked like, we can be certain it is the look of a man who was approved by Almighty God. Stephen stood there in front of that council, a man full of faith, full of grace, power, 
and the Holy Spirit as a man who was also fully approved by his God. God was empowering him for the work he had for him. Be certain that those who are full of faith, that is the spirit and power, are also full of grace. As we live with unshakable faith in our lives, we will show an unmistakable grace. And this is where the power of God is. Not in systems, it's not in programs, it's not in techniques, in any of that. The power of God is found in lives totally given to him. People who are full of faith, full of the spirit, full of grace and full of power. Your life may not launch uh, the gospel into the realms unknown. But it can turn lives upside down. It can change lives. Make no mistake, big or small, a life lived for God will make a difference. So let's be people of unshakable faith and unmistakable grace. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Stephen is a remarkable example to put before our eyes. He challenges us in hard and wonderful ways. Because, dear God, we want to be people like this. We want to be people of unshakable faith and unmistakable grace. That as we live for you, we believe you with all of our heart, it makes a difference in the world around us, big or small. Sometimes, dear God, we may see that change. Sometimes we may not. Stephen died and never saw the influence his life had in the world. But nevertheless, he lived for you. Let us, dear God, be strong, be full of faith and the Spirit. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.